I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. I'm joined on the line now by Abi Mandelbaum, who's the co-founder and CEO of YouVisit. Abi, thanks so much for calling in. Carl, thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it. Now, I'm trying to remember, you're a, a Wharton MBA grad from 2010, but, but you, you, we, I didn't ever have you in class. Am I right in remembering that? Yeah, yeah, that, that's accurate. You know, I regret that, so I'm going to have to stop by for a private lesson one of these days. Okay, no problem. We can, we can arrange that. Um, before I get started, I just want to point our listeners to your website. So you've got a very clear and simple domain, you visit, just the two words, you and visit, youvisit.com. Abi, give us the elevator pitch for you visit. Sure. Um, you visit is a leading immersive technology company that helps brands and organizations market themselves through virtual reality and interactive 360-degree experiences. And we have both an award-winning production studio as well as a proprietary technology platform that enables our clients to generate deeper levels of engagement and conversions with their prospective customers, and most importantly, to analyze and measure those results. Okay. First of all, walk us through the user experience, and I guess at this point, you've got you've got sort of two categories of users, right? You have your customer who pays you, and then you've got the end user. So let's start with the end user. Give me a typical end user experience for one of your successful uh, uh, products. Sure. Um, so generally our client is a brand or a corporation, um, and we collaborate with them um, to create a very unique interactive 360 experience that they can then promote to their end customer. Um, so to take an example, um, we've been working very closely with Renaissance Hotels. Um, they're a big hotel brand um, that's looking to expand and really differentiate themselves in, in a very crowded market. So um, we work very closely with them in developing a story um, capturing 360 content through our award-winning production studio and then loading that up onto our technology platform. And what that enables is for them to then take that interactive 360 experience and utilize it anywhere, meaning they could take it to trade shows and on the road via VR headsets, but they can just post it on their mobile side, on their desktop side. You know, it becomes a portable experience that they can utilize across all of their properties to market to their end customer, regardless of what device that customer is using. Okay. Well, I, I'm guessing that as of right now, the vast majority of Renaissance Hotel, their target customer, uh, doesn't yet have a, a VR setup. And so they're going to experience this on a mobile device or on a, on a, on a big screen. What, what does that experience, walk us through the actual experience of the, say, for Renaissance Hotel. Sure. So here's where things get very interesting because to date, you know, as we all know, um, just traditional video has led the way in terms of how brands and companies market themselves. Uh, but now with 360 content, um, we have the ability to take that to a whole other level that is much more engaging, and I'll share some metrics later on as well. Mm -hmm. um, but 
we've taken it yet another step beyond 360 video and we create interactive 360 experiences. So mm -hmm. what that means is that instead of, let's say, a prospective guest that may be looking to where they're going to stay on their next visit to New York, for example, um, checking out just a traditional video or instead of just looking at a 360 video that kind of just tells them a very linear story, the interactive 360 experience is highly interactive, of course, and, but the, the primary thing is that it enables the consumer to focus on what's most important to them. So for different customers, for one, they may be most interested in the guest rooms. Another one may be most interested in the, the dining and the leisure opportunities at the hotel and the area nearby. So by utilizing an interactive 360 experience, the brand or the company is able to provide a, a much deeper experience that's relatable to the user. Mm -hmm. Now, the impact that that has is huge. I mean, when we, we've done over a thousand projects and we measure results very closely across all of them, and the average time that the end user spends on the experiences we create for brands or corporations is nearly 10 minutes. And as we wow. all know, that's an eternity online. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that is attributed to the fact that the, the user in this case is actually an active participant in the experience and that the content itself is immersive. I mean, in 360 content, whether it's consumed, as you mentioned, on mobile or desktop or VR headset. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, take us back to the beginning. You've been working on this a while. Uh, in fact, I, I, you've been working on this longer than almost anybody I know in this space. So it's you, 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 you know you started it right out of school. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so I finished my MBA at Warden in 2010, um, and that's when we officially launched. Um, we started working on it a little bit before that, you know, more on the on the ideation phase. Mm -hmm. um, but the the founding story is is actually pretty interesting. So I started it with two of my college roommates um, from my undergraduate back at Brandeis University. Um, and interesting, you know, I grew up in Colombia, um, the country in Latin America, mm -hmm. and the, one of my partners grew up in Jordan, the other one in Albania, and we sort of all just met during our first day of college. And we, we became really close friends, and we always spoke about starting something together at some point. In life, and a few years after school, we were all working for different large corporations. Uh, I myself, you know, right before finishing my MBA, I was at Goldman Sachs. Um, one of my other co-founders was at Accenture, the other one at Fidelity. And we sort of got together and we said, all right, you know, what, what can we do? Let's start something ourselves. And that's when we came up with the idea, thinking back to our time actually researching colleges mm. in, in the U.S., that it was so hard to have a, a good quality of experience of a place from afar using the Internet. And we yeah. just felt technology had come a very long way, but still the best way to experience something was through a video, and we felt um, we could do much better than that. And that's when we decided to sort of join forces and start your visit. Yeah. Okay. So th that makes sense. What at, at what point did you drift 
or, or I don't know if it, well, maybe, let me just ask it a little more directly. You started out with this idea of focusing on university visits. Were you always envisioning that it had broader applicability or did you eventually decide you needed to take a corporate focus for other reasons? We, we always knew um, we would expand beyond education. Um, the, the timing, you know, was, you know, was more uh, an art than a science. Um, and, you know, one very unique thing uh, about our company is that even to this date, um, we have not raised any money. And we actually started back in 2010 with just $5,000 each. Um, and it's actually amazing, and obviously we've been very blessed and lucky that you know things have really gone our way. That's not to say that there haven't been very tough times. Sure. Um, but we we knew early on, um, given the fact that we were bootstrapped and capital constrained, that our our best chance of success was going to be by having just relentless focus, mm-hmm. and that's why we decided to really stay within the education field until we quickly became a leader in that space. And from there, we used that to springboard into corporations, travel, hospitality, retail, and so on. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this bootstrapping thing. So it was the success, was the, the, the reason you were able to bootstrap that you had a lot of sweat equity provided by you three founders who could do everything and essentially you're financing it yourselves with your sweat? Or was it that you came up with a business model that allowed you to charge your client uh, fees essentially for creating this content? Or was it some combination of those two? Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it, it's, it's a perfect combination of both. So all three of us, um, during our undergraduate, we studied both computer science and economics. So we, each one of the three of us had coding skills as well as business skills. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think the reason why we were able to be successful without raising money um, was that, but even more so the fact that you know, we didn't just constantly think from the beginning about raising money. Um, we're pretty resourceful in thinking, all right, how can we go about this in such a way that as soon as we get that first client, we're profitable, and then mm-hmm. we can just reinvest that, that capital. Um, and, and I think, you know, in speaking with, with younger entrepreneurs, I, I just see that a lot, that a lot of times the mindset um, from the beginning is, well, I want to do this, how much money do I need? And as soon as you, you start with that question, then that becomes the only way. Mm-hmm. And so I think a, a lot of it was just uh, our mentality from the beginning. And we didn't start with that question. Instead, we, we said, well, what can we do with what we've got? And, and a second thing that helped, frankly, is that um, at that time, we, we all had jobs, um, which became easier because you know, if things at the beginning were to take a little longer, all of a sudden you wouldn't be in a cash bind. We still had a full-time jobs, but we're able to dedicate a lot of nights and weekends to this effort. Yeah. You know, those are, that's, that's, uh, those are good insights. Let me ask a, another question. You're based in, in New York and, and this is very much a Silicon Valley kind of thing. So walk us through the decision to be in New York and whether you think that's been a asset or a liability. 
Yeah, I mean, frankly, it wasn't much of of a decision at the time. I mean, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, I mean, we started in 2010, um, which is a few years um, before the the current. A revolution on on VR. Yeah. So at the time we were more we wanted to be in a place that had good access to high tech talent, and, and New York has great access as well. Um, and you know, moving out to the West Coast just wasn't something either one of us three was considering at the time. So for us, it was you know a lot of the reasons you also start a business is for the the independence and the lifestyle. So it kind of just made sense uh, for us to to open the office in New York. Now, I would say, you know, fast forward seven years, and it has played very well for us. I mean, by now, most of the, the large companies uh, in Silicon Valley have a strong presence in New York. So when it comes to partnerships and, and things of the sort, for example, we have a strong partnership with Google, and we were one of their launch partners as they launched their new VR platform, Daydream, and we were meeting consistently with people in their New York office. Um, So I think very much sort of high tech is now a a bi-coastal matter. So it's played out really well. And and frankly, another benefit is from what I hear in in Silicon Valley, there's just tremendous competition for resources um, when it comes to talent. And New York has that as well, but it doesn't sound like it's to the same extent. No, it's crazy in Silicon Valley. So I'm really glad to get that perspective. Um, Abi, let me ask you a question. You have referred variously to a studio and to content creation and to tech, which I would consider to be the delivery vehicle. And generally speaking, you want to pick one or the other. And I know that when you started in, in 2010, there probably wasn't the tech you needed, but increasingly there are tools for tech. So maybe you could talk us through that decision you made in 2010 that you had to build at least some of the tech yourselves and then whether that you're thinking on that has evolved to where we are today. Sure. I think that's a, that's a great question. So one of the things that was just stamped in my forehead um, during my, my two years at Warden was that recurring revenue is king, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so one of the, the things that we did very early on was we said, all right, what is a way that we're going to be successful at generating a stable recurring revenue stream? Um, and the answer to that was a technology platform, right? Content mm-hmm. in nature is, is not necessarily recurring. Obviously, you do have clients that have a need to update content and so on, but it's, it's a technology platform that drives that. So from the early days, we decided that we were going to be a technology-first company, but that we were going to complement that with a production studio to make sure that we could provide full service and solutions to our clients. And mm-hmm. it's played out really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, these days, we are very unique in the virtual reality space in that most of the companies out there um, have, like you said, one or the other. They're either uh, a 360 production studio or they're uh, a VR tech company. And mm-hmm. by having both under the same company, it's allowed us to innovate much faster because we constantly have the production folks talking to the technology folks about, hey, how can I 
sort of do this significantly faster? Is there something you can do on your end to help me out? And that's allowed us to evolve the technology a lot faster, also on the creation side. I mean, we've, we've recently actually come up with a way to deliver uh, a 360 interactive experience without even shooting 360 video, mm-hmm. um, which is very time-consuming and costly. Um, so our, our tech is, is very um, forward, and it's really been a big source of our competitive advantage. But if we would have just done the tech, we wouldn't have had the benefit of all that collaboration and communication that happens across both of those departments. Yeah. Maybe you could spend just a minute or two on the types of customer engagements you have, because the way you describe that, there is a full full service uh, end-to-end solution that you provide in terms of both capture, editing, tech, all of that. Um, but do you also sell just the tech? Maybe you could describe a little bit the the flavor, different flavors of customer engagement. Sure. So nowadays, as you as you can imagine, most organizations still don't have the ability to to capture high quality three hundred and sixty content. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's it, it's still sort of complex from from an equipment and, and also post production standpoint. So most of our clients um, do end up requiring uh, production services, plus you know, they, they're going to spend a lot of marketing dollars uh, promoting this type of experiences that, that we create for them. So they want to make sure that it's top-notch and it's professional. So the, the client engagement typically starts with the onboarding, which involves the, the production. But then all of that content gets loaded onto our technology platform. And through the technology platform is how you visit studios is able to add the interactivity layers and create many facets to the story that go a lot, a lot deeper than a traditional video would. Once um, that interactive experience is ready, the, the same technology platform makes it portable. And by portable, I mean that you know, with two lines of code that get provided to the client, it can be placed anywhere. You know, think of it as, as easy as, as embedding a YouTube video nowadays anywhere. That's right. how portable our experiences are, but our player is a lot more powerful in that it can actually play an interactive experience that's comprised of 360 video, 360 photo, traditional video, traditional photo, um, and all sorts of interactive layers. So it's a, it's a very high-tech player um, that is built to drive a higher level of engagement. And going back to what I mentioned earlier, um, that's one of the things that, that most clients really love about working with us is that when they look at the fact that the, the average user spends around 10 minutes of their experience, they're not seeing that across any of their other marketing initiatives. Yeah, okay, I get it. But let me push you on this a little bit. YouTube does not make its money by making videos. It makes its money, as you said, as you started out by saying, by being a technology platform. You know, Adobe does not make documents. They make a a service that allows people to deliver documents. So wouldn't you think it would make more sense for UVisit to be a generic platform that any number of thousands of studios out there could use to deliver, to make and deliver their content? Yep, that's a a very good point. Uh, We actually do have... Uh, other studios already uh, sort of utilizing the platform. 
Yeah. But going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, it's the, the, the timing of, of everything is, is more an, an art than a science. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's always something that we're looking at. But yes, you're absolutely right. To, today, we're applying both for the, for the folks out there that are professionals and they already know um, how to capture high quality content. Yeah. We have sort of packages for them that will help them do so as well. Yeah. So I'm going to just underscore a point here. I think there's two interesting points here. The first is that when you're a pioneer, you have to build all kinds of stuff that you may not want to have to build. So uh, because you've got to put together an end-to-end solution for your customer and you can't rely on an ecosystem to do some of the important pieces. So that's just the reality. And it makes total sense that if in 2010 you want to create a VR experience, you're going to have to build more than if you set out to achieve that goal in, in 2017. So, so that's point number one. But, but point number two is that at some point you may have to pick what is it that we are uniquely great at, what's our unfair advantage, and bring some focus to that. And so you know, my prediction would be that there will come a point where you have to decide, you know, where is the, 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 the real, where, what are really the distinctive assets of you visit and is it going to be the tech tools or is it going to be the, the, the creation, the creation process? I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it won't be synergistic and for a long time perhaps, but, but those seem like two pretty different businesses. And so uh, at some point you may have to, you may have to pick one or the other. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think that's a very good point, not only regarding our business, but, you know, every other sort of business out there. And yeah. we've already, you know, started sort of making a lot of those decisions right. in, within the past few years. You know, from the standpoint, we, we continue to invest more and more in, in technology. Um, we, we offer sort of our, our production services as well, like you said, to be able to provide that end-to-end solution, but our focus continues to be on technology first because we, we strongly believe um, that you know, that's something that is more scalable and will continue to differentiate us in the market. As you mentioned, though, at the end, that synergy between yeah. both of those areas, I think, will be extremely important to sustain our competitive advantage on the technology space um, for many years to come. Because capturing and delivering 360 content is still something very, very new. Um, And it's going to take a while until it gets fully optimized. And to optimize it properly, you can only optimize the, the distribution and the analytics. You also have to optimize from the beginning, which is the creation. And that's a big part of our platform as well. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And I, I agree. I think there are synergies, uh, if not if for no other reason than just demonstrating the capabilities of, of the tech. We just have 30 seconds, but, but Abi, give us a sense of the traction. How's it going? Well, it's going very well. I mean, we're, we're growing significantly this year. Um, so far, our growth has been 50%. Um, and there is two things that are that are helping a lot. Number one is that you know we've been in this business for many years now, and we continue getting bigger brand names um, and bigger clients that help get the the word out. 
as well as just the overall growth of the VR industry. I mean, as you mentioned, yesterday still most people you know do have a desktop of a mobile, but we're seeing the number of the amount of viewership in virtual reality grow exponentially. It hey, looks very Abby, similar, un- similar unfortunately, to look ten years ago. Unfortunately, I got to cut you off because we're out of time. But thanks so much for coming in. Super interesting. No, Carl, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes.